I can't make eye, eye contact, I'm missing something important. So I, I really do want to talk to you today, not preach at you, but share with you something that I believe is vital to our lives. That's uh, the timing of God. We just alluded to it and introduced our message as we usually do during communion time. And I want to share those areas with you that I mentioned just a few moments ago, that there, there are times of preparation, times of celebration. There are times of visitation. There is a time for salvation. And timing is everything. If you watched the Super Bowl last weekend, you know that in every sport, timing is critical between the quarterback who passes the ball and the wide receiver who catches the ball. He is going to throw that ball before the receiver gets to the point where that ball is going to arrive. And if the timing is right, it's successful. In baseball, you have a batter who is facing a pitcher who will throw that ball 90-plus miles an hour, and he must time his swing exactly when that ball is crossing the plate. The timing is critical. Either that's going to be successful or unsuccessful. In every, in every sporting event, timing is critical to being successful. I believe it's true in every phase of our life, and especially in our Christian life. Timing, the Lord's timing, is critical to us. There indeed is a time, and you read Ecclesiastes is a time that God has ordained for every purpose under heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die. Jesus said in the appointed time, he knew that indeed he had finished what God had given him to do. In fact, he made that statement in John 17, Father, I have finished the work that you have given me to do. You don't have to be old to die. Jesus was 33 years of age, but he was finished with the work that had been assigned him by the Father. And so timing is important. He lived by that sovereign schedule his entire life. You appreciate that. Let's, let me give you several of the verses. They can be on the screen. You might want to make a note of these. Mark 1.15, he begins by saying, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The time has come. In the fullness of time, God sent his son. And with him came the kingdom of God to be established. John 7, 6. Jesus' brothers, half-brothers, who were raised with him in his house, chided him and said to him, they're having a feast in Jerusalem. You need to go up and show them what you can do. Show off some of your miracles. And Jesus' response to them was, the right time for me has not yet come. For you, any time is right. But for Jesus, he had a divine mission, and he knew what time it was. Who's keeping the clock? Whose time was it? This is not a watch or a calendar he's following, but it's a sovereign schedule. He knew that his time for that kind of Ministry had not come. Same chapter, verse 30. And this they tried to seize him, but 
no one laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. This was critical to our understanding of the mission of the life of Jesus Christ. His time to die had not yet come. And when you read further, there's some warning from the disciples who said, you know, Lord, you need to get, you need to get away from this territory because Herod has determined to kill you. And he wasn't really worried about being too politically correct. He said, you go tell that fox that I have today and tomorrow to cast out demons and to do miracles. And on the third day, I will finish my assignment given to me by the Father. You go tell him, I'm going to be here. I'm not the least bit disturbed by this kind of threat or rumor because my time has not come. And he said he was just in essence saying to us, I'm going to be here. No one can do anything about that until it's time for me to go. You tell that fox, I've got today and tomorrow to do the miracles. I've got three days of ministry, three years of ministry to perform, to cast out devils and to do the miracle working power of God. And on the third day, it'll be finished. My assignment will be done. My appointed time will have come. But until then, I am not intimidated by that fox. Mark 14, 41, returning the third time, this is in Gethsemane, Jesus said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the time, the hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. And Luke twenty-two fifty-three. every day, I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. This is your hour. He is even coming now to a matter of not just days, but of hours. My appointed time has come. 32 miles from earth, 16 days in space, 16 minutes from touchdown. And seven people, five men and two women, who had spent those 16 days in space, their appointed time came. Time stopped and eternity began, traveling at a speed of 18 times the, the, the speed of sound and going through the atmosphere at a temperature of 2,500 degrees. I read the paper this morning, and Jay Apt, who had made four shuttle flights, a veteran, says, I think my friends had probably two seconds to realize that they, they were in trouble and something terrible had gone wrong. Two seconds that they might have realized something terrible had gone wrong. Not much time to prepare for that appointed time. So it speaks volumes to us in this room again, not realizing, not understanding, as Jesus had some insight into his appointed time. Friday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I responded to a call and walked into Forbes Emergency Trauma Center just in time to see Mary Damp raise her hands and be released from this earthly tent.
to move into the tabernacle prepared for her by the Lord. It was her appointed time. I say that because if I'm understanding what David wrote in Psalm 139, let me just read these verses. They're familiar, but I want you to listen to them. Verse 13, you have created my inmost being. You knit together. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me in my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I need to repeat that verse because we need to hear that verse. He's talking about while he was in his mother's womb, being fashioned and formed fearfully and wonderfully by God, before his birthday, his death day, was, a, was assigned. There was an appointed time. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. I believe that before Mary Damp was born, in the book, God's book, January 31, 2003, was written down. Four o'clock in the afternoon. She came to her appointed time. The days appointed me by the Lord. And I just want us to know today that we, we live in this world where we need to be careful to live every day as though it might be the last one. Live every day, live today, love today, serve today, worship today as though this may be our last Sunday together. We just don't know what a day will bring forth and we need to appreciate and understand that even while we were being formed and before we were born, the days appointed to us were written in his book. How many believe he knows the end from the beginning? He knows the end from the beginning. Nothing takes God by surprise. Nothing is unscheduled by the Lord. Write this verse down. Psalm 31, 15. David makes a statement, a wonderful statement here. And I want you to take this verse and tuck it into your heart. David says, you are my God. My times are in your hands. You are my God, and my times are in your hands. He begins with a tremendous and important confession. You are my God. And then he makes a powerful statement of confidence. My times are in your hands. Would you underscore two words together, my times and your hands? You are my God. Would you say that with me? You are my God. Say it again. You are my God. And then with confidence, my times are in your hands. Say it again. My times are in your hands. Oh, there's no more secure place for our times to be than in the hands 
of God. Would you agree? You are my God. And my times are in your hands. Nothing is more secure than the hands of God. The changes we pass through are in the hands of an unchanging God. An unchanging God. We go through so many different changes. Chronos is the ordinary word for time used in the New Testament. It is the human time measured by clocks and calendar. It is human to chronos, where we get the word chronological from, that which is done in sequence or in order in a timely manner. Chronos, we can humanly schedule these things. And by setting our calendar, making a schedule, watching the the clock, we can do this and we do it every day. The word used for God's time in the New Testament is karios, K-A-I-R-O-S. That means the right time or the ripe time. In the fullness of time, in the right time or the ripe time. I said it earlier, let me repeat it to you. We, we read in scripture, due time and we read in fullness of time, that's not chronos time, but in the right time and in the ripe time, God does his thing. In the fullness of time, God sent his son. That can be so confusing for us because using what I did as an illustration a moment ago, Mary and Martha just felt Jesus was late, if you had been here, Lord. And I wonder how many people identify with that in our anticipation of God answering prayer in our lives. We were expecting him to respond quickly to our request and our need. The one whom you love, our brother, is ill. And Jesus spent two more days in ministry. And then it was a two-day journey from where he was to Bethany, where they lived, all uphill. When he arrived, funeral was over four days ago. Too late, Lord. You're too late. But the Lord had arrived to do something different than what they had anticipated and to do something even better than what they expected. How many know that his, his timing is better than our timing? And what he is going to do is better than what we might have expected him to do and so often people really get frustrated because God doesn't answer when they want and how they want. And so they get discouraged even to pray because he has not lived up to their expectation. He didn't come when they called. They didn't, he didn't respond the way they thought he would or that he should. Promise that was given to Abraham and Sarah they lived to the point where that biological clock stopped ticking. It's too late. I'm 100, she's 90. Too late. How many know if God has a time, he's never too late? There is the supernatural that can operate in our lives that even though in our estimation and according to our 
body clock or a time clock, it's too late. But it's never too late for God. He's able to stand by that tomb and command the stone to be removed and with a word of authority call the dead back to life. He is not too late. He is right on time. And what I want to say to you this morning is we cannot box God into clocks and calendars and say, you have an allotted time, Lord. You have, you have so much time. Answer me by this time. No. You know what? I think sometimes he does it just to prove a point. You don't schedule me. I'm the Lord. I'm the sovereign God. And I will, the wind will blow as it lists. You don't even know where it's coming from or where it's going to go. We can't schedule God. He's got his own schedule. There's a sovereign schedule that God uses in ministry to us in the perfect time. Let me give you a verse. Hebrews 4.16, you know this verse. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Original Greek says it this way, literally, that we might have grace for a well-timed help. We might have grace for well-timed help. Not just in our time of need, but well-timed help. Oh, I, you know what? I love that verse. Well-timed help. Not just as we might think, Lord, this is my time of need. And so your promise is you're going to be an ever-present help in my time. And he is going to be there. But he will be there with well-timed help. I can see the wheels turning. Well-timed help in our time of need. His timing is perfect. Charles Colson, who is the director of prison fellowship ministry, went to Salem, Oregon to minister, and he took Kathy Tricoli with him. And during the course of the ministry, she sang a song, My Life is in Your Hands. After the, the meeting, an inmate came up to her and said, Kathy, I want to thank you for singing that song, My Life is in Your Hands, because I have been so dry. She said, why is that? He said, well, you know, I'm here, I'm a prisoner, I've got quite a sentence yet to, to serve, and I didn't think things could get any worse, but they have. I just received a letter from my wife asking me for a divorce. And he said, I just began to feel as though there was nothing left for me. There was nothing left for me. So she prayed with him, and five days later, they went from Salem, Oregon, a thousand miles to Chicago, Illinois, and a lady who had never been to a prison fellowship service before attended and Kathy Tricoli sang that same song, My Life is in Your Hands. After the meeting, a lady came up to her and said, Kathy, I want to thank you for singing that song. My life has been so dry. The exact same sentence that she had heard five days earlier. She said, oh, why is that? She said, well, my husband is in prison, 
And I'd reached the point where I felt like I just couldn't handle that anymore. And last week I sent him a letter requesting a divorce, but I'm not at peace with this. Coincidence. No. It's the perfect timing of the Lord. My life is in your hands. David said, you are my God. You are my God, and my times are in your hands, Lord. And so she shared with the lady the experience she had had five days earlier with her husband. And now that marriage is being healed and restored because of the timing of God. He is a God who gives grace for well-timed help. doesn't always happen that way. That's not always the way the answer comes, is it? And you may not have experienced that kind of supernatural visitation, but I want you to know it doesn't matter. Your life still is in his hands. It doesn't matter if the answer hasn't spectacularly come to you. Your life still is in his hands. He is your God, and your times are in his hands. He is the Lord who makes those things perfect in his time. Jesus wept as he rode into Jerusalem just prior to the crucifixion, prior to the picture we have shared together at the table, and he wept over the city. He said, oh, how often I would have, but you would not. And he talked about the day of visitation. Luke 19, 44, they will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. We can miss the past. Sometimes we're just not ready to receive what he has to give. Just like the timing between the quarterback and the receiver, sometimes it falls to the ground. He just, he's not ready for the ball. He's not ready to receive what the quarterback had to give. And it was true for the nation of Israel. They missed their opportunity. They missed the timing. I... I am persuaded there is a time when God can be received. There's a time. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. I believe that we, like Israel, can miss the day of God's coming to us. And I just pray God help us to be aware of the time in which we live. And the timing of God, I believe it's true personally in our lives. I believe it's true corporately in the life of a church. Either we connect, either we are open, either we're receptive, either we're prepared for the visitation of God, or he passes us by and deliverance will come, as I shared Wednesday night, will come from some other place, but God will send deliverance. It'll come from some other place. But God has called us to the kingdom for such a time 
as this. The timing of God for Monroeville Assembly is now. I believe this is the time. This is the year of the visitation of the Lord. I feel it in my soul. I feel it in my spirit. And my, my challenge to us this morning is let's, keep, let's be looking for what God has to give. I don't want to be looking some other direction. I don't want to be running the wrong route. I want to be running the assignment he's given me because I want to receive what he has to give. I want to be prepared to receive from the hand of the Lord. The consequences for Israel were very severe as are outlined in this text because they did not recognize the time of God's coming to them. Sometimes the receiver is just not open. I know there have been times in my life when God wanted to throw me a path. I just was not open. My prayer is, God, help me to get open so you can get it to me and we can carry the ball. Now, if you're not a sports fan, you probably are lost at the moment, but there's enough in this room that are hearing what I'm saying, and they're probably the ones that need it the most. <laughs> Second Corinthians 6, 2, you could quote this too. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I can say with absolute assurance, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, the time for that is today. Not tomorrow, today. The timing for that is today. The timing for that is right now. I could recite this but I want to read it because it comes right from Tony Campolo he has written a book where this is taken from it illustrates perfectly what I want to close with today there's a Pentecostal college near Eastern College where I teach I'm not a Pentecostal but I talk so fast they think that I am they think that I speak with tongues so it works out okay one day they invited me to speak at the chapel service. I like speaking there because they are dynamic, happy, happy people, and I enjoy being with them. Just before I spoke, eight guys took me into a back room of the chapel and got me down on my knees. Then they laid hands on me and began to pray for me. That was good because I need all the prayer that I can get. There was only one problem. Those guys prayed a long time. That's usually okay, too, but the longer they prayed, the tighter they got, and the more they leaned on my head. And I want to let you know that eight guys leaning on your head is not a pleasant experience. One guy wasn't even praying for me. Instead, he went on pray and prayed for someone named Charlie Stolsis. Dear Lord, he shouted. You know Charlie Stolsis. 
who lives in the silver trailer down the road about a mile. You know that trailer, Lord, just down the road about a mile on the right-hand side. I felt like saying, knock it off, fella. What do you think God's doing? What's he saying? Say that address again? Anyway, he went on and on. Lord, Charlie told me this morning he decided to leave his wife and three kids. He told me that he was walking out on his family. Lord, step in, do something, bring this family back together again. And in this, while I'm, all this while I'm kneeling there with eight guys leaning on my head, and I'm asking myself, when is this guy going to knock it off so I can get these Pentecostal preachers off my head? But it kept right on about Charlie Stolsis leaving his wife and kids going, giving God reminders that he lived in a silver trailer about a mile down the road on the right-hand side. Finally, the prayers were over, and I went to the pulpit and preached, and then I got in my car and drove down the Pennsylvania Turnpike to head for home. As I drove on the Turnpike, I spotted a hitchhiker. I know you're not supposed to pick them up, but I'm a preacher, and when I can get anybody locked into a captive audience, I will do it. So I stopped and picked him up and drove a few minutes and, and said, Hi, my name, name is Tony Campolo. What's your name? He said, My name is Charlie Stolsis. I couldn't believe it. I got off the turnpike at the next exit and headed my way back that I had come. He got a bit uneasy with that and he said, Hey, mister, where are you taking me? I said, I'm taking you home. He narrowed his eyes and, and asked, why? I said, because you left your wife and three kids this morning, right? <laughs> that blew him away. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He plastered himself against the car door and never took his eyes off me. I, I drove off the Pennsylvania Turnpike at the next exit. And it really did him in when I drove right up to that silver trailer. <laughs> when I pulled up and stopped, his eyes seemed to bulge, and he asked, How did you know where I live? He said, God told me. <laughs> I believe God did tell him. I got out of the car, ordered him to get into the trailer, half shaking his head, I'm, I'm going, sir, I'm going. When he opened the trailer door, his wife exclaimed, you're back, you're back. Then I said with real authority, you two sit down. I'm going to talk with you and you're going to listen. Man, did they listen. I mean, it was like E.F. Hutton was, was speaking. <laughs> but he was on to say that afternoon, I led these two people to faith in Jesus Christ. And today that guy is a preacher of the gospel in the state of California. I just say our times are in his hand. When God says today is the day of salvation, he'll do whatever it takes. Let me say if you're here today, you're not here by accident. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I believe you are here in God's sovereign schedule. He cared enough about you to lay this message on my heart. And to let you know that today is the day you need to meet him as your personal Savior. You need to open your heart. You need to ask him to come in. You need to ask him to forgive you of your sins and begin a journey that will lead you 
from time into eternity. I don't know where we'll be tonight. I don't know where you'll be tomorrow. You need to take advantage of this day and this time because I believe in the sovereign schedule of God who cared enough about Charlie Stolzis and his family to minister the way he did to bring the two of them into the family of God. I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment. I'm going to ask you the most important question anyone will ever ask you in your life. Are you sure if you're just 16 minutes from home and something happens to you, like those seven astronauts yesterday morning at 9.15, are you sure you know where you will spend eternity? When you will need no more clocks or calendars because you will pass from time to eternity. I want to ask you this morning, do you know where you will spend eternity? If you don't and you want to, I want you to raise your hand and just let that be a signal. Please pray for me, Pastor, because I need Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. You just slip it up right where no one is looking around. You need to identify your need and your desire for the Lord this morning. If you're not sure, yes, thank you. Others would, yes, thank you. Others, just slip it up and write back down. You see, you don't have to be old to die. Many of those astronauts were 40, 41, even younger. Mary Damp was in her 80s. But you don't have to be old to die. I watched the news last week, and a young man from Penn Hills High School his Jeep went off the road and into a tree, and his high school career is over. He's in eternity today. And I have to be, I have to be serious enough to say this morning, if you don't know Jesus, you need to know him. And today's the day. The Bible says so. Now's the time. It, this is God's time for you. You can't afford to miss your opportunity when God would come to you. How many others? There are several who raised their hands in the balcony on the main floor. Just slip it up and right back down. This, this may be the last opportunity I'm going to give you this morning. Father, you've seen the hands that have been raised. and You know the ones perhaps who just didn't have the courage to do it. I pray that they'll open their heart to you this morning. I pray, God, that your grace would come to them through faith. They will know. They will know before this service, before they turn the key in their car and go home, that if something happens and they're only 16 minutes from home, that they're ready to meet God. They're ready to meet God. I want us to stand. I want the ministry team to come. And even whether you raised your hand or you didn't, I want you to respond to the Holy Spirit this morning. These are friends who can help you know Jesus. While others are filing out the door, I want you to make your way forward. You want to take hands with somebody here and say, I need to know Jesus. Would you pray with me and pray for me? Before I go, I want to be sure I'm ready to meet God. These friends can help you do that. You just walk the aisle. You give your life to him. It is time.
Well,